0: We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today, and we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today.
1: have your Bibles turn to Acts chapter 2 and uh, just kind of hold that place and then if you want to you can also mark James chapter 2 so Acts chapter 2 and James chapter 2 we're going to reference both these places today as we dive into uh, this this talk the sermon um, I have uh, those of you that know me I'm a avid reader and I uh, so uh, if you walk in my office, you see a bunch of books, and somebody asked me, have you read all of them? A majority of them, but no, not all of them. Because um, I get a lot of people give me uh, books for birthdays and Christmas because and, they know I like to read, and so it piles up. Um, and so lately I've been very selective in what I ingest into my spirit. And what we realize, don't realize is what we, what we view, what we listen to, um, it's more than just entertaining the mind, more than just entertaining. Um, it, 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 it affects us. It affects us more than we realize. And so um, you just think about it. Um, how many of you have ever got a dumb song stuck in your mind on the way to work and it stay in your head the whole day? Okay. That is one of my favorite things to do because I'm a, a child of the 80s. Uh, as far as not born in the 80s. I was in my teen years in the 80s, and I love to sing 80s songs, the dumb ones, to my wife as she gets ready sometimes, and it gets stuck in her head all day long, and I I just there's a great joy that overcomes me knowing that I affected her day in such a way. And she'll come home, and she'll have that stupid song in my head all day long. Um, So what we ingest is important, but lately I have been ingesting a lot of things in my heart, and today my heart is heavy, but my heart is full of hope as well. Um, Heavy because there's something I want to share with you that I feel like is very important for you to hear, but hope because of what this speaks to us. I want to talk to you about what authentic, real Christian community is today. Um, we've been moving through miracles. we moved through the book of Acts uh, for several months. Um, if you were here yesterday, you heard Tony, uh, you, know, in, you know, talk about intentional. Uh, he got here when I was caught on that for a while, and I talked about we got to live our lives intentionally, and, and of course, he, he uh, made it sound like I preached on that for an entire year. I may have. I don't know. But um, I do believe that, that we have to have purpose behind what we do. Um, many people refer to Christian community, and I don't think they realize what it is. Uh, we think Christian community sometimes is, uh, generally speaking, every Christian, the majority of people that are Christians, that makes up Christian community. But being a community is far more than just being in being together, or being of, uh, you know, uh, the same liking the same things or or believing in the same things. It's it's a deeper connection than that. And Biblically, uh, Christian community can be viewed from two additional perspectives besides just people who call themselves Christians. And those perspectives are found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 uh, through 47. And uh, Before I read that, I just want to kind of give you some background. The first Greek word for church that was ever coined was ekklesia, and the word ekklesia in the Greek just means the assembly or the gathering of people. It was where they got together. Christians got together. It was their gathering place, and it was known as the ekklesia, but it's more than just a gathering place. Um, it is also referred to as the koinonia, and this term Is translated by the word fellowship. So it was more than just gathering, it was fellowship. And we can gather and not have true fellowship. We can gather and not have true connection. We can gather and miss out on what God truly wants to speak to us. So it is more than just being the ecclesia or gathering together this morning. We need true connection. We need true connection that goes beyond just saying we're all Christians. Beyond just saying we're all believers, it is a deeper connection that, that is being expressed in the Scripture than the word koinonia means that they had a fellowship with one another that went deeper than what the, the earthly term of community meant. The earthly term of community simply means we live together in the same place. Now, I cannot be, I can live in a community, uh, secularly speaking, and not have the same beliefs. Amen. All right. Um, By the way, I thought it was a wonderful testament to both of our schools uh, with the sportsmanship used Friday night. I was proud of our kids. I was proud on both sides of the field uh, because I had kids on both sides of the field. And and I'm proud of our community and and coming together that way. But guess what? We didn't all believe the same thing when we gathered together. Some wore red and some wore blue. But we were a community. Okay, are you following what I'm saying? We can attend church and not share true fellowship. But the whole meaning behind coming together, Jesus meant more than just being in a place together. Acts chapter 2 says they were all gathered in one place. They were the ecclesia, that's what it meant. They were gathered in Acts chapter 2 at the beginning in one place. But then it says, but when they were, or when they came into one accord, koinea. (laughs) you <laughs> When they came into a fellowship, one mind, one purpose, one faith, they begin to realize that our connection is much deeper than us just saying we're Christians and coming together. It is a deeper meaning. I want you to get what I'm saying today. What we have in this room is deeper than saying we belong to Harvest. It's deeper than saying we all have a t-shirt with a HWC on it. It's a deeper connection than that. It runs crimson. It runs it runs red. It flows from Emmanuel's veins. It connects us. and makes us family. It is a deeper connection than just gathering and saying we go to harvest. God help me today. Acts chapter 2 reveals the early church, their emphasis that they devoted themselves, and I've shared this in, in forty, so many times because it has been the building blocks for the twenty-three going on twenty-three years that I have been your pastor. It has been the building block that God revealed to me from day one that this church had to be about, that we would devote ourselves to what? The apostles' teachings means we would devote ourselves to the Scripture. We The the, the fellowship means that we would have a deeper connection than, than just coming to church. You know, you can go to church with somebody and never know them and it doesn't have to be a megachurch to have that experience. You can go to a church of 40 and not know everybody. You can go to a church of 20 and not know everybody. Because we can t- we tend to want to isolate ourselves and keep ourselves cut off. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, they devoted themselves, Jacob, to something deeper than just attending the same place than the ecclesia. They devoted themselves to the Word of God, the Apostles' teachings, but they devoted themselves also to fellowship with one another. They had connection. They connected with each other. They went, and then they, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And this has been spiritualized. And it does have a meaning of communion. It does. The sacraments, they took those together. But it also goes deeper than that, that they got together. They had meals together. They ate together. They spent time together. They watched football games together. They made silly little bets that one would wear red or one would wear blue. They had connection. They had fellowship. They broke bread together. And then they devoted themselves to prayer. It was all tied together with prayer. This type of Christian community was the goal of the early church. They strived for it. They lived for it. And they even died for it. God help us. They were martyred. For these principles in practice properly it can bring about a revival like you've never dreamed could take place James 2 and 1 states my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory he's saying have connection with one another know one another As a matter of fact, there's a a verse of Scripture a lot of pastors like to use, especially if they're going to bring connection, and it says, Obey those who have rule over you in the Lord. You know what it means? Know them. Get to know them. That's what it means. Have fellowship with them. Connect with them. Get to know them. Not that you fear them and they're the ruler and you're the servant. It is have true connection with those who are leading you. Know them. Know them. And James says this should be what we strive for. In this chapter, James explains how believers sometimes gave a preference to some believers just because they had wealth. In other words, he said, some of you are, are, are buddying up to those who have wealth. And he corrects this and talks about the great commandment in, in verse 8 of, of James chapter 2. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, let there be no partiality. Love. Look at everybody the same, no matter what they got in the bank. No matter what kind of clothes they are able to buy or what they're not able to buy, no matter what kind of automobile they drive, or, or, or no matter what, no matter what kind of team they root for, I'm going to tell you now, for the first time in my life, I was a Bama fan last night. God, yeah. <laughs> he did. And the only reason is because Tennessee losing helps Georgia. That's it. doesn't matter when it comes to godly things. We have to have true connection. Chapter 2 of Acts, verses 42 through 47, the Scripture provides a beautiful and compelling picture of Christian community. This snapshot of the early church, I want you to think about it because that's what it is. This snapshot of the early church offers a template of authentic Christian community, of what church is supposed to be and what the church should seek to become if we would build these traits into relationships in our congregation, not only would we inspire passion among our people, but we would also honor God with such a powerful blessing to the community that we live in. Because I have found that there are people that are longing and they are begging to see true community. It is my belief that the principles laid out in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 is the the reason that harvest has seen such an amazing growth throughout the years. We have taken truly taken to heart the teachings of Acts, which is to teach the Word of God uncompromised, but to have fellowship, getting together, loving one another, having some activities where we are doing more than just coming to church together. Breaking bread, sharing the, the the communion, but also sharing time together, uh, sharing meals together. I remember our men's ministry. One of the things that we used to do that that was that, that I felt like was very powerful is we would watch uh, we would watch MMA fights. We would all chip in and buy the pay per view, and we would watch it in the gym and get pizza and wings, and our men would just get together. What are you saying? It wasn't anything deep. It wasn't anything. Uh, uh, you know, there was no. Great great Bible teaching but there was connection and there was brotherhood and it brings about fellowship that will bring about an awe because the Bible says when these four principles are promoted and lived out and all settled upon the church the Holy Spirit began to pour out and guess what happened? People begin to be saved. I will never Want to be a part of any ministry that does not have the goal of salvation at its heart. Connection does powerful things. Let's look at these. I broke them into six different things. Full devotion to Christ and the cause of Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, according to verse 42. Half-hearted, semi-devoted people rarely accomplish anything of value. Half-hearted, semi-devoted people rarely accomplish anything of value. Now, you can agree with that or disagree with that, but I'm going to just tell you right now. What I witnessed last night watching Tennessee and Alabama is I watched a team more hungry than the other. Yes. Yes. When you've eaten championship after championship, eventually you think you're just going to get it served to you. Yeah. Don't worry, we got a couple of weeks and I'm praying hard. I'm praying hard. There's something amazing when you're hungry for it. There's something amazing when some of us walk through these doors for the first time. We were hungry for what we found. But if we're not careful, we'll begin to neglect the salvation. We'll begin to neglect the gifts. We'll begin to neglect what we discovered. And we will forget that God, this doesn't just happen. Community doesn't just happen. It has to be fought for. It has to be worked at. It has to be strived for. We have to to put effort in it. We have to be, oh yes, I'm going to say it, intentional in it. We have to do it on purpose. Anything of value is not accomplished half-heartedly. If you half-heartedly practice your music, you will be a half-hearted, terrible musician. If you half-heartedly work on your craft or at your job, you will never succeed. You say, well, I see people do it all the time. Eventually, it will tell on them. Eventually, it will catch up with them. I'm going to tell you, if you cheat your way through high school, you will have a terrible college experience. If you cheated on every test, self-confession, I won the fourth grade spelling bee, but I am one of the most horrible spellers you've ever seen. But I was a good cheater in fourth grade. I've repented. Eventually, if you, if you half-heartedly do something, it will tell on you. It will catch up with you. And I'm here to tell you, we can't half-heartedly expect God to continue to bless harvest and to move in our church if we do not devote ourselves to the things that have brought us this far. And I'm here to tell you, it is time for us to get back to sound teaching. It is time for us to get back to fellowship with one another, gathering together, breaking bread. And it is time for us to seek the face of God like we have never sought the face of God before. And when we do that, an amazing thing will begin to happen God will not just bring us to where we have been but he'll take us far beyond that there'll be an awe that word awe in the Greek means utter amazement at what God can do I I for one do not want to just read the book of Acts as a history lesson I want to live it how about you? I want. How many of you want to just think that miracles are a thing of the past or wonders are a thing of the past or, or God is done speaking and he's not speaking anymore? If you do, that's a sad existence because my God is alive. He came out of the tomb on the third day. He sits at the right hand of the Father. I'm telling you, my God is real. He sent his Holy Spirit to this earth so that the church might experience him on a daily basis like they've never experienced him before. They were fully devoted. They were not half-hearted devoted people. Rarely accomplished. they. Rarely they. You will rarely accomplish anything if you are part of our character or the character of God. And honoring God in community is our full devotion and passion toward the things that matter the most. People are uninspired. Uh, people are uninspired by unworthy causes or by leaders who expect anything less than their very best and to achieve their very best. We should be a place that reflects the full devotion that. That we have to Christ in everything that we do people should see they must really love Jesus to do what they do they must really love Jesus to be at church the way they're at church they must really love and be devoted to Christ number two we must have an anticipation of the supernatural working power of God everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, verse 43. People wanted to be a part of something God-sized. In truth, God stands ready to work in and through a willing community of followers who in Him will have the courage and the faith to step out on His promises. Here in Acts chapter 2, people prayed and expected God to answer. They did not pray and say, well, maybe God will answer. They expected an answer. We should build a church that thinks about and prays to achieve that which can only be accomplished through the supernatural power uh, of God and trusting in Him to do it. I'm here to tell you we do not have the finances and we do not have the, the, the ability to build our new ministry center, but my God does. I wonder who can reach out by faith and believe that with me today saying, my God can do the impossible. My God can do anything. I wonder who can look at the person who is, their body is wrecked with cancer and still believe with me that my God can speak the word and the cancer be gone. I wonder who can believe with me this morning that my God can bring about a revival like we've never seen before. I wonder who believes this morning that we serve a God that can and will do the impossible if we believe in that I wonder who believes Goliath will fall in this community if God will rise up in us with the spirit of David I will preach to you this morning God's ready to do a work but he's looking for you and I to devote ourselves to the things that have brought the church not this church but the church from the book of Acts all through the ages it has withstood on these principles number three we must have a strong commitment to one another. We gotta care about one another. I remember growing up, I was the youngest of four. And being the youngest of four, I had two extra mamas and one extra daddy. Any younger siblings can relate to that. All right? And, and I got tired of it. Okay? They wondered why I had an attitude problem. I would point up the ladder. But I remember one time I was mad at my sister who was the middle child. And I told a secret on her that she was going through a struggle. And I told a secret on her while I was little. And it hurt her feelings really bad. And my dad pulled me in and he said, did you say that about your sister? And I admitted it and I said, yes, I did. He said, well, you know, when you talk ugly about her, you talk ugly about you. Because she's your family. Uh Uh-oh. We must have a strong commitment to one another. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 44 of Acts 2. A Christ-honoring community displays loyalty and dependability and mutual support and respect and grace to one another. They are not just unified. They have a strong sense of uh, a priority of that unity. In other words, they're going to make it work. They're going to make sure they support each other. And I'm here to tell you when our leaders undertake an activity in this church, we should do everything we can to support what they do. They need you. I know you're getting quiet on me, but I told you it wouldn't be easy. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Just say that word, open. We want to see things happen, but we have to make an effort to be a part of those things to see them uh, perform with excellence. It means letting go of our petty differences, our self-centered agendas. It also means a result of uh, our of of our core culture, of the church believing that what we are to one another is as important as what we are doing together in other words it's not about just being with somebody or going and doing something together it is about the person that we're doing it with that there is a connection that is much deeper than that that when I gather together with you that it is not just us saying hey we're marking this off our spiritual checklist of what the church should be about but I truly am seeking connection and fellowship with you beyond just saying I did it just beyond saying I went to a man cave or I went to a fearless gathering It should be a desire to gather together to, yes, support that event, but to also find true connection with one another. There are a lot of lonely people in this world, and there are a lot of lonely people sitting in this room that just won't admit how lonely they really are. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says if a man should have friends, he should show himself friendly. I'm here to tell you one of the ways we show we're friendly is by showing up and connecting with one another, pushing through our own desire to to kind of, just hold back. There are some people that say, well, if they pursue me, then I'll do it. If they ask, then I'll do it. Why do we have that mentality in the body of Christ? We should want to be together. We should want to connect with one another. I'm asking you to pray sincerely about true God connection and, look, and looking at, at commitment to one another. Amen that when I see a struggle going on in this church, oh my goodness, you know one of the biggest things, none of us like, anybody like gossip in this room? Nobody likes to be gossiped about, but sometimes we like to hear it. And sometimes gossip is spread through the form of prayer request. We need to be careful with that. That our prayer request is sincere. We're not just using that as a vehicle to spread. Is this going on? Not to my knowledge, but... I'm just giving you what the Spirit told me to tell you. We should have such a connection with one another that we are truly offended when one of ours comes under attack. That's your brother, that's your sister, and there is a connection. Well, I'm not even a member of that church. If you come here, you're part of us, and that means you're part of my forever family. And I'm going to tell you, I need to viciously protect those who are connected to me because when I talk bad about you, I talk bad about me. Amen. Well, if that is not the case, then everybody that bought the new T-shirt, go home and scrape Forever Family off of your shirt. Because if we are truly a family, then that means what we say and what we do is connected to one another. Amen. How many of you got that family member that you would rather not even anybody know you're related to? Come on. Anybody, nobody goes to family reunions around here. Thank you, Jacob, for your, I thank you. Okay, you got that family member, and everybody's like, well, you know, they're special. (laughs) Let me just say this. They're still your family, whether you want to erase it from from your mind or not. They're still your family. You're still connected. You're still blood. Guess what? If Jesus has saved, the Bible says what he has washed, he has washed. What he has cleansed, he has cleansed. What he has forgiven, he has forgiven. And who am I to reject that which he has cleansed and that which he has forgiven and that which he has washed? I don't have that right. Connection. Generosity was another attribute of the early church. Generosity and meeting needs. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Verse 45. In the course of achieving missions together, our mission together, needs arise with individuals. People become disheartened. We, we experience distress. We incur personal hardships. We have struggles. In the biblical community, in a true church community, people are not by, uh, blind to the needs of others. And they respond to seek, to assist, and encourage, and, and meet with generosity the needs of others. In biblical community, sincere care and concern takes place between each other and when meeting needs, it demands generosity and sacrifice, the Christ-filled community steps up to take the place, or steps up to meet the need. I am thankful that when our community went through the floods, that the church stepped in. And when I say the church, I'm talking about Baptists, Methodists, I'm talking about uh, uh, our church, Pentecostal church. We all came together, laid aside our titles, and we ministered to the needs of a community that was hurting, and that was a beautiful thing. And I am so thankful that when Sunrise community church could have went back and had church at their church they had planned to come be with us even when they got their water back on they still wanted to come and be with us by the way we're gonna go be with them because I don't want them to feel like it's a one-way street how about you because we believe that we are connected and let's show it harvest so we're gonna go be with them sometime here in the near future and we're gonna worship in their house amen and I expect you to show up the way they show up you do I do. And I'm thankful that the church pulled together for that. But let's talk about harvest. We can meet the needs of people that we don't know and see needs unmet under our own roof. Amen? That's like you taking care of your children's, or you're taking care of somebody else's kids feeding somebody else's children feeding somebody clothing somebody else's children taking somebody others other somebody else's children to the doctor and you looking at the kids under your roof and they're starving and they're without medical help and they are hurting and they are unclothed and they are naked you would never do that and I would never do that listen church what part of being in this community is that we look out and we take care of the needs in this house as well as the needs outside this house Community Number five, I like this one. This is one of my favorites. Laughter and fellowship. Laughter and fellowship. Look at somebody beside you, give them that polite laugh, you know, the one when the joke's not that funny. (laughs) Or you can do the one that's really insulting. (laughs) Just one. You know what I really hate? I hate when you tell a joke and somebody looks at you and goes, that's funny. Makes me want to pray for them. Laughter and fellowship. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and they ate together with glad. Everybody say glad. And sincere hearts. Verse 46. People in healthy Christian communities enjoy downtime. They know they must give an effort and hard work when they are serving the Lord and ministering together. But when we get an opportunity to sit back, break bread together, and relax, we should enjoy every moment of it. We should eat together. We should laugh together. We should we should, we should uh, pursue uh, a common interest together outside of the work of the ministry. This provides uh, uh, longevity to our hearts. This provi- uh, of wanting to continue in the work that God has provided. Sometimes work becomes difficult, anybody, amen? Sometimes ministry becomes difficult. This environment allows all of us to take a moment, catch our breath, and realize that there is joy in the journey to heaven. This reaps benefits that are even greater than unity and commitment. What we need sometimes is us to get so tickled and so laughing that our side hurts. Come on. I don't know about that. That's not biblical. The Bible says it does good like a medicine. Sometimes we need a good laugh. Number six, and this is where we're going to close, a shared sense of destiny. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved, verse 47 along with a sense of awe that resulted from seeing God answering prayers, those in the first church or early church saw evidence that God was doing something outside of their request or expectations. They saw that God was doing a work of his own and that they were connected to a power beyond them. This was the work of the transcended, or that transcended their efforts and their connect, and connected them with God's eternal purpose. God was transforming the real lives of people through divine salvation and was bringing them into his church, his forever family. I imagine that, this, that as they witnessed life after life, person after person coming to faith, that created a sense of shared destiny between each of the believers. A feeling that we were being, or they were being swept up along in the current of the Holy Spirit for some sovereign purpose that far was far greater than them. This was the eternal plan of God. This was the final trait of the community that, I, or this is the final trait of true Christian community. It is one that cannot be manufactured by you and I. It is, in fact, a divine result of purpose, love, and unity. In other words, a gift of grace. Be sure that while we cannot produce this sense of shared destiny, we can undermine it by and prevent it from arising. We do this partially by failing to seek to build genuine, authentic, God-centered community. Within this house, and we desire that God desires to have between all of his children. In truth, Christian community is the conduct or, or, or the conduit or the vessel for which God's sovereign and supernatural working power flows through us to a, a hurting and dying world. God loves to fill his people with his presence, his power, when they are of one heart and one purpose, and they are united in a forever family that truly understands that you and I have something greater in front of us than just attending harvest. Something greater than just coming to a service. Something greater than just coming to youth service. Something greater than just coming to college and career class on a Wednesday night or adult class or our children's class. Something greater is wanting to be achieved than just coming to fearless on a Monday night. Something greater is wanting to be achieved than coming to man cave. What am I saying? I'm telling you right now, God has a divine purpose that he wants to connect us to that is far greater than any of us can ever imagine and it is the salvation not of one but of thousands of souls in Chattooga County that are hurting and longing for true community true connection Connection with people that is genuine, but more than that, connection with God. I'm here to tell you, you and I are a vessel, a conduit in which the power of God can flow through us into our jobs and into our schools and into this community to see a life-changing work that will shatter the plans of the devil and set the captives free. Are you ready, church, to truly let that flow through you? Be a conduit, a conduit of His power. This is an unstoppable destiny. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself referenced this connection through the revelation of Peter. Peter looks at him and says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is in this revelation came of relationship and that formed the foundation that the church could be built upon. Jesus said, it is through our connection that I can build connection with others. Jesus further explains that this connection is more than just a revelation of salvation, but it is the connection to other people. People who have been redeemed by the blood that was shed for our sins. We have community and connection through the blood of Jesus today. There is something that connects us more than just blood. I am thankful for my blood family that is sitting in this room. But I am so thankful for my forever family because through your blood and my blood flows the blood of Jesus. We are connected into the body of Christ. That's a beautiful thing. But yet, we cannot forsake that connection, or we will miss out on the purpose of God. Forever family is not a catchphrase. It is something that was given to me divinely when the church was going through crisis in 2020. It was when I felt as if we were falling apart, and there was nothing I could do, as doors closed and people would choose to not ever return. It seems like PTSD is still plaguing people today. There is a sickness eating away at the foundation of the body of Christ today. Now I want you to hear me close and I want you to be open. The overindulgence of people in this world has affected the community that God longs to have among his believers. It is time for us to do something. It is time for us to have a deep spiritual evaluation of where our interests truly lie. What captures our hearts Because when we have something that comes first in our lives and above God, we're in essence committing idolatry. I'm going to say it again, and that's a hard phrase. When there is something that is greater than God in our life, and look, you say He's the greatest thing in your life, but what comes before Him is greater. Whatever's being put before Him is greater. When we can teach our kids the importance of going to a ball game over being in church, we better watch out because the fruit that is produced by that is devastating. We are having other gods before us, and God is calling us to a repentance. Is there something in your life, and I want you to hear me today, is there something in your life that is greater than the purpose of God? Is there something in your life that you put before Him? The, the answer is quick for most of us. No, no, God's everything to me. God's my first. Really? Because I can tell you in the middle of the night, God was checking my heart. In the middle of the night, God was questioning me, what is going before me. So I I want you, if you could, to think for just a moment. Is there anything that you are putting ahead of God? Is there something in your life that takes the place of connection to your spiritual community, your forever family? A correction of this course will bring an awe of the Holy Spirit upon the church a correction of this devastating direction back to the core values that build the church, not built harvest, but built the church that Jesus died for. In the book of Acts, we see it begin. Guess what? It's still been building the church from generation to generation to generation. And if we abandon these core values and core beliefs, we will become nothing more than just another flutter in the wind. We must correct this course in order to see an awe of the Holy Spirit come upon us. We will see wonders of God when this happens. We will see a connection with each other that we thought was never possible. There is a longing for true community within this church. And there is a longing for true community within the community the church is located in. Not a community in the world's sense or the world's definition, but a connection that goes much deeper and richer. It is a connection that can only be found through those who share the grace and the forgiveness that was, that was given to us on the cross. And I'm reading this because I don't want to miss what God said. That's why I wrote it down. God is begging His people to repent, to change their ways, to come together again as the church of the living God. To come together again not as the ecclesia, but as the koinia, the fellowship. It's one thing to gather this morning. It's another thing to fellowship. God is longing for us to have fellowship with Him that produces fellowship with each other. We don't need anybody in this room to feel like they only know one or two people and then they're strangers. We need connection. I'll go a step further to say that is why you and I need to be committed to our family reunion nights so that those who are in the first service can connect with those in the second service. That's the whole purpose behind it. And Though God may have a greater purpose, the core purpose is that this body would be connected
0: We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.